I'm Mike White, the CEO of Lively Worldwide. Welcome to Fresh Takes video podcast, where we take a fresh look at the ever-changing landscape of brands, creative and marketing. Everyone is talking about the constantly changing landscape for marketeers and businesses, but how often do we stop and take a step back and think about the people we are trying to make a connection with? The news is full of negativity and it feels like we are in a constant state of flux. So how do we navigate these constantly evolving changes in our world while wanting to stay creative and be at the center of culture? Well, that's why we are here. Lively is a creative innovation agency taking an agnostic view across all this noise and finding the true pioneers in our industry, innovating in the world of marketing and entertainment. So we can discuss what we have learned and how best to navigate the future. Today, we're talking to Beth Gordon, who is the Trade, Marketing and Communications Director at The Independent. Last year, in recognition of driving a positive change within the company, Beth won the Women in Marketing Changemakers Award for her impact to her business, industry and further afield. So let's bring her on and get started. Hey, Beth, how are you? Hi, good. How are you? Very well. Good to see you again. Good to see you. Well, look, brilliant. Thanks very much for joining our show. Uh, Very excited. I feel like I'm talking to somebody famous with your awards and (laughs) titles and stuff. Yeah, uh, you're very lucky. Very very, lucky. Very, (laughs) very But what we usually do to just get started is it would be really good if we could just hear a little bit about yourself and your journey over the last few years. Okay. Um, So I'm Beth. (laughs) I'm currently at The Independent. Um, I, my degree was in music industry management. So the first few jobs I had were all music industry based. Um, and then what did I do? I worked in PR and I worked in radio, eventually landing at Jazz FM, which was an amazing place. Uh, I worked in trade and consumer marketing in Manchester, in London. And from then I went agency side um, and I was a planner buyer for M2M working on a load of beauty clients. Um, God, it's a long, it's a long time ago. Uh, after that, I went to Glo- well, GCAP, as then uh, it was, and there, which later became Global. So I worked as a brand strategist um, and trade marketing across a load of their radio brands before going to MySpace, which was a real moment oh, in time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, I went to a, a small, unknown music startup called Spotify. Tiny, tiny, tiny. tiny. <laughs> it, it was tiny. I, I joined there when it was still invite only. So it was a company that nobody had heard of. And it was a way of listening to music that most people hadn't heard of. So that was an amazing five years then. And then Twitter, mm. where I looked up to trade marketing for EMEA. Um, then I went back into music for a bit and events. Um, and now I'm at the independent where I look after trade marketing. So yeah, what a journey! What what a journey. journey. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant, and it's it, what and what a diverse. I think yeah, we met when you started when you were at Spotify, which was great. Um, yeah, and uh, I was lucky enough to be part of that journey. But um, but yes, yeah, so let's go big for a second then, and uh, and dive in with what do you? What's your philosophy on kind of B two B and trade marketing? But yeah, kind of what's What's got you hooked on that side of the industry and kind of makes you excited about your role? Yeah, I mean, I've worked in both. I've worked in trade marketing and consumer marketing. Yeah. And I've come to 
accept the fact that I love trade marketing. <laughs> I think that's where I think it gets a really it gets a bad rap. I think people think that trade marketing isn't as sexy and as exciting as consumer marketing. And I've worked with loads of consumer marketers, or at least know of lots of consumer marketers who probably are a bit snobbish about trade marketing and almost don't consider it to be proper marketing. And to me, that's just strange. I think trade marketing for me, it allows me to be incredibly creative. It allows me to have immediate impact and to really make a difference. It's about relationships, but it's also about relationships that can have a really transformative effect on a business really quickly. Um, and so I wouldn't swap it for anything. I think mm. what I would add though, is the way I approach trade marketing and the way I've always approached trade, trade marketing is by really, really pushing the brand. So I very much use some consumer marketing techniques in order to get people to fall in love with the entire brand I work with rather than going into lots of the tried and trusted trade marketing techniques, which actually I think do us a disservice and mm. hold lots of trade marketers back. Oh, they do. Don't they? To be honest, yeah. with you, it, it's it's exactly this is where why you and I get on so well, because I started in consumer marketing as well. And I built a whole agency around it. But then yeah. when you saw just the opportunity within trade marketing and at the end of the day, it's kind of where it all starts. You've got to get that foundation sorted. And for me, that that's all we've ever preached is. Um, and I think this is a value you carry through is at the end of the day, we're all human. And yeah. those people are normal human beings and want to be engaged in the right, same, what similar ways, don't Absolutely they? Absolutely right. It's, you know, they're still people and it's still marketing. Yeah. So yeah. I always think Lane's lines people love. And what I mean by that is... Oh, I like that. <laughs> there shouldn't be a thick line between trade and consumer marketing. No. It should no. all be seamless anyway. Yeah. You know, there shouldn't be this divide. No, There's this... People sort of abide by these rules and they needn't. And I think mm. in terms of lanes, that sort of goes hand in hand with that. You don't have to stay in your lane. Yeah. And I think people forget, or maybe they feel a bit constrained and think they have to only use trade marketing vehicles. And of course yeah. they don't. You well, know, you also, can... the, the thing I found is, is the departmentalization of companies. And, yeah. and that's, you know, the before I went agency side, you know, I was a client and uh and I, I worked in a big organization with multiple brands. And I used to go to the other brand managers and go, hey, look, you know, we're after similar audiences here. Why don't we put our budgets together? And they were almost like, oh, no, you know, that's, that's, you know, yeah. that's not my responsibility. And it's like, well, I'm just trying to get creative. And that's yeah. what we're, we're supposed to be in the business of creativity here. Yeah. I mean, we also, as trade marketers, ultimately, we're talking to brand experts. So why yeah. wouldn't we use the best in brand techniques? And why wouldn't we talk about our brand to people whose main interest is the brand? And I think, right. it, I mean, it, I would say to people I've worked with, you know, don't feel you just have to think about trade titles or you just have to think about trade events. They're obviously great and they're really effective, mm. but don't just stick to them. If I work at an agency, I'm not going to think, I'm going to read this trade marketing title. Then I'm going to go home to bed and not look at any other media until I go back into work the next day. And then I'm just going to go maybe to a trade event. Yeah. You know, no, go no. where your audience is. Make yeah. sure we know, we know 
what sort of titles our advertisers are going to be reading in their free mm. time, what sort of events they're going to be going to, what sort of, sort of festivals they're going to be going to. So mm. why not be where they are and stand out from all our competition? Totally. That's really interesting because, um, you know, I well, we both go to a lot of trade events and it, it's, uh, it's hilarious just, well, I, I got asked to consult for one actually and I sat in a, and it was a big, big organisation and I think there were about 1,500 people in the audience. And um, they said, what did I think? And uh, afterwards, and all I did was show them the person fast asleep next to me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> literally, somebody had fallen asleep in the audience. Savage. But then you look at um, some of it, you know, and when, when they just start, like, bringing the brand to life and thinking about it being a show and and really kind of, well, we're going to talk about this in the, you know, breaking down those stereotypes. It's really interesting. So what, are you just lucky that you work with brands that embrace your way of working or do you quite often find yourself, you've got a fight on your hands? Probably a bit of both. I think as you get older, you know, you, you get a sense more about what a company is going to be like and if it's yeah. going to be the right sort of culture for you. Um, I think I've been lucky or I've been attracted to brands which have all got this thread through them, which have been about making life better or nicer for people. So on the face mm. of it, you know, if you think about Spotify, Jazz FM, The Independent, they're not that similar, but actually they're all about making people's lives a bit better. And I think if you work in an organisation like that, there's a certain drive with everybody there to keep pushing for improvements. Um, you know, Spotify will was new twitter wasn't so new the independence been around since 1986 so they at totally different stages in their development but all of them have got this all of them have and had this incredible thirst to keep pushing forward and i think that probably appeals to me I, i'm not very good at just being told no without a good reason and i think mm. i've always been told to challenge things and those organisations have all been the same. You know, they're all mm. challenger brands. You know, in the independent, when it was set up, it was set up to offer something really different. It was set up to make change happen. Mm. So I think I probably it's probably a combination. It's probably that I've been attracted to organisations that are a bit like that, but I've probably got that in me and I'm not very good at hitting brick walls without thinking there must be a way around this. Yeah, that's. I think that's that's a brilliant analogy there because, you know, and, and it's important for the businesses to remember that, isn't it? You know, I was fortunate enough as an agency to work with Virgin for 17 years. Um, and that was a blessing and a curse, to be honest <laughs> with you, if I can say that publicly. Because, you know, when, when it first started, it was. It was in startup mode. And, you know, well, yeah, I didn't even join when it was in full startup mode, but they just had this passion that ran through the company mm. and, and a real pur purpose to be that challenger. Um, and did, you know, used to do some fantastic marketing stunts and, you know, just it, it came from, you know, the core. Yeah. But then, you know, the bigger the organization gets and the more kind of buyouts and things like that, you can, you know, see that kind of purpose being stripped stripped away um and it's got to come from the top and the teams doesn't it it has it, it it has to be both i mean i think when people say well how 
you know, how do you create change? And I think the, the most obvious answer is you just do it, but you just do it yourself. Mm. And you can't assume that everybody's going to notice that something needs changing or wants to get on with that change or can make it. You know, there's loads of reasons why people don't make a change. They, they might not want to. They might not know how to start making a change. They might mm. feel not supported. They might not feel brave enough. They might just be a bit knackered. So <laughs> you can't expect other people to make the change. You've just got to get on with it. And you might not be very good at it, but at least it's better than doing nothing. And you've just got to get on with it. You've got to put your hand up, say, this isn't right. And when somebody goes, I know, say, but I'm going to fix it. Yeah. And if you don't do it right, then there'll be people. One, what I found as well is if you try and fix something and you, and you don't do a very good job of it, then all of a sudden everybody's saying, well, you should have done this. And then, and then they get involved. So I yeah. think often if you get started, that's the best way to get other people to to get involved. It's so true, isn't it? And I, yeah. that's, you've segued beautifully into my next question because it was <laughs> you've had, you've won this Change Maker of the Year award, which I is know, thank you. fantastic. Congratulations! <laughs> and yeah. kind of what 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 do you think led to that? You know, I think you've already kind of covered a very important thing, which which a lot of people probably aren't given permission to be, which is brave. You know, be brave in an organisation and carry that through. You know, is is elaborate on kind of what you think led to being being awarded this change maker of the year? Um, I think I'm quite, <laughs> I've always been quite stubborn and I was always taught to stand up for myself in a polite way, but also really stand up for other people. It was always like instilled in me. Brilliant. And I think that's why I feel like I'm totally in the right place at the independent because it's all about you know, doing just that and standing up for people and amplifying marginalised voices and speaking truth to power and all of those things that, you know, I grew up being told were the most important things. So mm. I think I've always had that in me. I think it's an organisation where you are told just to get on with it. You know, I'm surrounded every day by the most incredible people who really are making change happen. Mm. You know, when you look at our journalists and you look at Belle True or John Rental or Nate Dean White or Victoria Richards or Kim Sengupta or Maya Oppenheim, the list is endless. And all of them across all their expert, expert areas and all their discipline, all their discipline, sorry, all of them are making change happen. So I, I, it, yeah, I'd I like just got to reference those two, those events we did in London, New York, with and just the the stories yeah. those journalists and and what was incredible was the excitement the journalists had about the fact that you'd given them the opportunity to talk about their stories and, yeah. and put them on stage which you know was phenomenal they're the, they're the most fascinating brilliant people and it's honestly a privilege yeah. that part of my job is is helping so in trade marketing obviously I support the sales team and the sales team ultimately are helping to fund this journalism yeah. And to be able to play a very, very small part in keeping this journalism, this incredibly important journalism still going is yeah. the greatest honour of my life. We've never had, there's never been a time in my lifetime where quality, non-biased, trusted journalism has been more needed. You know, oh, I totally, fierce, totally. fiercely, fiercely believe in that. So, yeah, so it's hard when you're surrounded by this sort of people in this sort of environment, not to think, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to get on with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and you know, it's not going to be perfect. And that's a, a, something that I say and I bore people with 
is don't let perfect be the enemy of good. And that's that is another thing that stops people acting. They're worried that they're going to do it and it's not going to be good enough or they're going to look silly. And if everybody only acted, if something was going to be perfect, nobody would do anything. Things only become perfect when you make a start and you iterate and people join in and you grow. So I think, how do you, how do you make change happen? You just get on with it. You just get on with it. And you, if it doesn't go right, you change it a bit or you work with people who are better. There's always going to be millions of people who are better at you than you at everything, including making a change, but just get on with it and be brave and stand up for people who need it because we're really fortunate that we can speak. There's a lot of people who can't and it's our responsibility to do that. It really is. And also I think sort of going on to purpose marketing a bit as marketers, we are hugely privileged in that we have a platform and we have an ability to make a difference for people. And if we don't, you know, that's just, I think that's criminal really. I think it's a waste of an opportunity to actually change people's lives. Yeah. Well, and, and it, it's this big, um, I was just about to say, um, uh, this is a great interview because the amount of quotes I'm going to be able to get out of this are fantastic. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, purpose marketing and, and, you know, that's an interesting one. You know, I, I had, the, I was fortunate enough to in, interview Rania Robinson, who's a um, uh, founder and CEO of Quiet Storm. Mm. And she was talking about the difference between, well, how, Currently, everybody seems to be slightly trapped in short-term marketing goals and business uh, objectives, and and the whole and actually social um, purpose has been given a bit of a bad name right now because people have been jumping onto it. And she wanted to talk far more about stepping back and just brands looking at their overall purpose and, and standing for it. How? How do you find with you know, you know this whole gig economy, people changing their jobs all the time and things like that? It's you know what what are the the fundamentals about trying to change that nature of short term marketing? Well, the two have to work hand in hand, don't they? Yeah. They absolutely have to. So, in trade marketing, we sit midway between the commercial part of the business and right. the non-commercial part of the business. So all my career, I've had that pull between, you know, making sure that what you do is really effective in terms of the sales team's goals. So you have to make sure that what you're doing makes a difference. Yeah. But also you have to make sure that everything you're doing always tells the brand story, always, mm. always. And actually that helps that. It's, it's not a conflict. No. You know, when we went out, when I've, whenever I've worked for any brand – you go out and you don't don't just talk about individual solutions or make sure that a, a given target is being reached in various means. You make sure that when you're doing that, everything you do tells the brand story at the same time. So like even tiny things like, you know, well, tiny things. So I, I keep referring back to Spotify, but it was a good example that when we started um, and we we were entertaining loads of people in the early days to try and get them to really buy in and understand what we were doing. And, you know, people were saying, well, let's take them to golf. Let's take them this, this. And it was like, why would you do that? Why would you engage with them in any way that wasn't centered around music? You know, every single thing you do, whether short term or long term, is an opportunity to tell your brand story. So if your short term might rely on you taking a client out for lunch, I don't know, for example, do it at a venue, do it in a place that gives your brand truth. 
a chance to be told. So, you know, and it's like now everything we do as marketers at The Independent is all about driving home the message that we are a platform that makes change happen. Yeah. So we don't just talk about the fact that our journalists make change happen every day and have done for decades. You know, we don't just talk about the fact that our ad solutions make change happen for advertisers. Our marketing itself has to make change happen. So we won't do any campaign that doesn't actively achieve some good. So, for example, yeah, yeah sorry, you go. No, well, no, I was just going to say this is really yeah. interesting because it's, you know, almost like the glue or the catalyst between, you know, consumer marketing and sales. Um, you know, there's 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 quite a lot of brand management in your role, isn't there? Is um, which again, kind of, you know, we keep talking about the past, but it's so important because. Um, but that's you know, Virgin used to do the same. You know, we used to we had the V Festival, and actually their biggest. I'd suppose I'd call it almost like a trade event. It was their PR part. Yeah. We do the Virgin Media Lab Lounge and they bought everybody, everybody for all their business partners and everybody created a mini backstage festival because mm. that was their best way to say, this is Virgin. This is yeah. what we do. And we're in the business of entertainment. And oh my God, it was the power it had was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and with regard to purpose marketing, we're in a bit of a, a different place to lots of brands in that our purpose has always been purpose. Yeah. You know, we, we are a purpose-led organisation and it's brilliant to see that more brands are ste stepping up and thinking how they can make a positive difference. Yeah. But you can also see a mile off when it's not authentic. And it's like anything. It's like anything in marketing. It has to be authentic yeah. and it has to be it has to be rooted in what you are as a brand and what what people are interested in seeing. But you shouldn't be led, your purpose shouldn't be led by what people want to see. It no. should be led by what you feel your brand truth is. Yeah. I always think, I, I, I think I can sometimes lose uh, interest in things. So I knew when I was doing my university dissertation, everybody did their dissertation subject. They picked it based on what they thought the lecturer would want to see and what yeah. would make them look good. Mm. Just like brands now are thinking, what do audiences want to see? And I mm. didn't trust myself with that because I knew I'd get bored. So instead, I did it on my favourite band. I did my dissertation on the Beatles <laughs> because Brilliant. that way it was authentic and yeah. I could maintain the passion. And it yeah, wasn't yeah. just something that it was a tick box, you know, I've done my dissertation or I've done purpose marketing. It's something that I knew I was passionate about and I would dedicate myself to, to. And that's what purpose marketing should be. Yeah. And, you know, the problem is now it's got a label. Yes. People will take it, treat it like a tick box or people will move on to the next thing. Yeah. And, of course, it shouldn't be the next thing. It should be central to what you stand for and what you do as a brand. But it has to be authentic and it has to be authentically you. You said that when we talked, I remember now, and the fact that it's almost, didn't you say something along the minute you worry the minute something becomes a label? Yeah, absolutely. As soon as everything's got a label, it's like, oh God, what, what's going to be, you know, on the agenda at yeah. marketing conferences in three months time? It's like... Yeah. And it's almost like the minute, get, uh, you know, once a trend starts and it gets a label, it's almost like the label turns it into a fad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly it's, that, exactly yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, because other people jump on the bandwagon and think, oh, we've got to do that. But they yeah. do it in a, a reactive way, not a planned way. 
which is exactly how to get it wrong. <laughs> yeah. And they expect short term impact. Yes. And that's not the reason for doing yes. anything like yeah. that, you know. So, yeah, I, I fiercely believe in the fact that brands and marketing should be a force for good. Yeah. Um, and I think it can do amazing stuff. But obviously, like everything, it has to be authentic. Yeah, yeah. I, I must. Uh, I, um, I was lucky enough to go to an event in New York last week, and I yeah. saw a fantastic presentation by the CMO of Corona Lager. Oh right. And he did a whole presentation on purpose-driven marketing. And the first thing he said was, "Don't expect short-term rewards." You know, we and and I think he was on a. He he was halfway through like a twenty-year journey or something. He started yeah. it ten years ago, and it was really simple. They just. They went, they went back into the brand and kind of looked at it and was like, do you know what? Everybody drinks Corona on the beach, um, but then actually we're in a glass bottle and all our beaches are being destroyed. You know, <laughs> sustainability has to be what we do, but, but we have to commit it as a business. So they got sign-in from the top and no matter what changes happened, and they started very, very small, just doing, you know, a couple of, um, local incentives with local environmentalists and bars and beaches and they started cleaning beaches up and they just literally went from beach to beach and and kind of the corona label stood yeah. for we're going to clean this beach up and I think it's 10 years later they've just now um, started doing it on uh, on islands and they've actually wow. created the first fully sustainable island and um, they kind of run promotions there and people go there and learn about how sustainability works. And Amazing. it was, and, and the thing is, it was a, it was a 15 minute presentation, but to your point, it was so inspiring. Yeah. You could see it came from the brand and, you know, the, the, you know, the CMO was extremely passionate about it and believed in it. And it wasn't a straight away. You knew it wasn't a sales pitch. Um, yeah. And that's, yeah, like you said, that's, that's the fundamental thing you've got to get right if you're going to create a purpose-led brand, isn't it? And I bet I bet they had mistakes along the way and I bet they tripped and fell a bit. Yeah. But the amount of knowledge that they would have gathered along the way. Yeah. You know, but that, it, you know, totally, totally inspirational. Amazing. And, and actually you just, because um, that that's transparency, isn't it? That's, you know, yeah. and, and how do you suggest, because, you know, a lot of, especially yeah, the old days, I suppose I can say that given my age, but um, you know, it, it's brands do need to be transparent now people, because you know, if you're not, you know, people, you know, human beings can see through it, can't they? Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, you know, brands a lot of the time, well, in trade marketing, we're speaking to brand experts. So mm. there's even more of a need for us to be absolutely transparent. I think mm. what we are, I, I think what we are going to see more of this year, and it's something that's a real shame, is brands pulling back from change moments. So last year, we saw so many brands um, who were activating around International Women's Day and around Black History Month and around Earth Day and Pride, you know, getting absolutely dragged down for pinkwashing or greenwashing and the rest of it. And of course, that is wrong. You know, that's absolutely wrong. And it's obvious when a brand is in it for the wrong reasons. But equally, when these brands are getting pulled apart for maybe making a small misstep and you think, you know, their intent 
might not have been bad. And Mm -hmm. that's not going to make them do it again in a better way. It's probably Mm. just going to make them step away from it altogether Mm. because the fear of getting dragged down combined with the fact that there's more pressure on all of us in terms of budgets and goals and the rest of it means that people will just think I'm going to step away from it. And, Mm. you know, these incredibly important causes and organisations and considerations, brands might walk away from them. And I think how that relates to transparency is you know rather than brands walking away and being scared they should be saying you know what we want to do it should be a conversation they should be saying we want to do the right thing we want to make a difference it's not going to be perfect but my my concern is it's just going to be seen as too much hassle Mm. or Mm. too dangerous to get Mm. involved with moments and points in time and organisations because people desperately don't want to do the wrong thing. I've been preaching this for (laughs) over 20 years in the fact that whenever you're going to do something like that, it's a partnership, it's not a sponsorship. You know, don't, don't think you can just go and label something because that's when it will backfire with you. Have a, you know, what you just said, start a conversation, ask how you can help. And yeah. get involved that way. Um, why don't we just jump into a couple of your case studies then? Because you did some interesting things last year, um, supporting a number of different organisations. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, that everything we do, as I say, it's designed to affect positive change. So in within our editorial, there's campaigns happening all the time. So last year, in terms of our editorial campaign, Refugees Welcome, which is a campaign that's, that originally was established around the Syrian war. That came back, unfortunately, due to the terrible events in Ukraine. Mm. We also have a, a campaign running in the US, which is all about abolishing the death penalty, incredibly important campaign. And then in the back end of last year, alone in the UK, we had a general election now campaign. So uh, calling on people to sign a petition, to uh, call for a general election. We also had a campaign called Feed the Future, which is trying to address the fact that in the UK, currently there's 800,000 children who are in poverty who are barred from having free school meals. And then hot on the heels of that, unfortunately, we felt compelled to launch another campaign, which was called On the Breadline, which we ran with our um, sister publication, The Evening Standard, but also with Comet Relief and the Childhood Trust. And that was to affect those, sorry, to help those most impacted by the cost of living crisis. And just in five weeks, we raised four million pounds. So a lot of what we talk about is is trying to help those campaigns, which absolutely come from editorial. Mm. But alongside that, we also work with organisations um, just from a trade marketing perspective and then try and, and you know see what we can do with editorial on top of that. So we had an annual partnership with Choose Love, the refugee charity, yeah. where we help them with advertising. Some of their incredible partner organisations were within the independent. So they wrote pieces for our voices section. And we also had an event. Um, I mean, it's it's sort of never ending, really. Um, We've also got a partnership with the NSPCC. Um, We were Pride's uh, official newsband partner. So we did a lot of work with Pride. And then in Black History Month, we worked with black organisations, by gifting them advertising, but also making sure that people knew about the incredible work 
um, that they do. So giving them a, a platform to yeah to get their messages out and to get them in front of your readers, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what we can do to help is we are massive. The independent is huge. You know, mm. it's currently the UK's largest quality digital news brand, but also we know that our readers are those most likely to want to make positive change happen. Mm. So that's incredibly important for organisations and charity, you know, reaching this audience. But then we make sure that we give them advertising on top of that and we help in whatever way we can. Um, you know, and then editorial are just amazing at constantly on a daily basis telling the stories of people who need to have their stories told. So it's a real everyday is about working with individuals and organisations in an attempt to make the world better. Um, and it's, it sounds like uh, last year and this year and probably moving forward, it's the per yeah, the time's right for the independent. This is what we all need, isn't it? We, yeah. We need that independent voice out there off, you know, in the middle of all this fake news and political you know maneuverability and stuff don't we yeah we really really believe it and we know you know that's what people they want a news brand they can properly trust um and we've shown ourselves time and time again well constantly that they can trust us that people can trust us and we've also shown ourselves through our history of campaigning that we believe in causes and fight for causes that have actually made things better lives better so right from our before any other brand really did this sort of campaigning work, we were campaigning for climate, we campaigned for marriage equality, we campaigned for maternity rights. You know, the list is endless. And when it comes to our campaigning, we've always been on the right side of history and we will continue to do that. We will continue to fight for people because we can, we just know, you know, that it, that it works and it matters. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I've got. I'm gonna have because we're we're running out of time, unfortunately. <laughs> but I've got two more questions. One of yeah. them is I, I want to go back um, because you, when we last spoke, you told me this great uh, story or bit of advice about um, working in a business that's just kind of starting out. And you know, yes, it, it was Spotify again, but like you know, a lot of people spend a lot of time looking at their competitors, don't they? Yeah. And and actually, you know, you've got quite a good perspective on that or a different perspective on that. Yeah, I mean, we we didn't look around us. We just no. all put, first of all, we didn't have time to, but it was a very small <laughs> team yeah. and we were all busy doing everything. <laughs> you know, we were busy, any, anything you can think of, we were doing it. We were going to Ikea and buying furniture because suddenly the BBC wanted to do an interview with us and we realised we didn't have any furniture. You know, we would, before influencers even existed, we cottoned on to the fact that if we got actors and musicians involved and talking about us it would actually be quite useful so we were doing all that side of things and we were so focused on what we were doing and we were we had such an absolute belief which now it doesn't seem like such a big thing because obviously Spotify is ubiquitous it's it's incredible success but at the mm. time nobody knew what it was and there were other music streaming services but and we you were trying just, to change things you were trying we, to change how music was being consumed yeah. Yeah, yeah, we were we weren't just saying, you know, that we're a new company. We were saying this is a whole new way to yeah. listen to music. And you know, one of the biggest things we tried to communicate at the start was you don't need to need me, you don't need to own music. Mm. You know, and that was an absolute alien concept at the time because everybody, you know, had their music on their shelves or had it on their iPods and that people wanted to 
own. So, so amongst all of this, what we all did was we didn't care what the competition was doing, which mm. seems like a bit crazy, but mm. we, we didn't have the time and we just got our heads down and focused on it and we believed in what we were doing. But I think this is a really, this is one of the reasons I wanted to come back to it and ask the question though, because I think it's, that's really relative to what we're talking about and with all the purpose-led brand work as well, because, you know, my paranoia is, and frustration is we have become very reactive, very short term. Yeah. Because we're being, we're being bombarded with so much information. Yeah. It's almost impossible not to see your competitors or what other people are doing. But if you focus on that too much, you get distracted or you start reacting, don't you? Well, you Whereas do, you do. You're if just... you have a belief and you believe in it and that's what you've decided you're going to, you should just carry on with it. And yeah. if it's right, then it will cut through and have success. If you just if you just are looking at the competition and you're constantly seeing what other people are doing, all of your activity it becomes a reaction to that, all mm. of it. Mm. And all you do is ping about, <laughs> you know, absolutely dependent on what other people are doing. And mm. it's you know you need to have belief. You need to just put your head down, work hard, and build and build and build. And then and the you also, if you're, if you're not careful, you'll you'll end up in the same channels as well, talking yeah. to the same people. Yeah. Which again is if you go, you know, actually it's one of the things I'm doing quite a bit with my team right now is I'm like, I want you all to look slightly to the left or slightly to the right because <laughs> that's kind of where where we want to be. Um, yeah. We don't want to do that kind of mainstream traditional marketing solution because it doesn't work anymore. Um, that's not yeah. how brands or businesses are being built, is it? No, no, totally agree. Cool. So yeah. final question, you know, yeah. none of us have got a crystal ball, um, but uh, what does 2023 have in store for you? Uh, new role, uh, wonderful award, fantastic <laughs> business to work with. Um, what are we going to see? Well, I've just got, I've got the absolute bug for it now. I've got the absolute, I, I, I just want to keep, um, making change happen and I think yeah. we're all like that that you know yeah. this year there's a lot of a lot of work that needs to be done in making things better and nicer mm. and there's things that all of us can do to do that we're a campaigning publication we're going to carry on campaigning we're going to be announcing some exciting uh, news and launches and products and all of that amazing stuff but the thread that runs through everything is that we're trying to make things better Mm. Um, and that is making people's lives better, giving them a bit of joy. Um, yeah. And just being there and helping to be the voice for people who haven't got one. So God, that that's, was, a, that's a great role to get you out of bed every morning, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. Can't Do you really wake up in the morning and go, oh, right. What am I? <laughs> yeah. It makes it hard to skive off. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. There's yeah. That, that worry. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, you can't say your job's boring and you want to take a day off because you've got <laughs> yeah. so many important things oh, to do. Exactly. Oh. Well, look, um, Beth, I knew it would be fun. Um, <laughs> love working with you. Love talking to you. you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, like I said, I think we're going to go uh, over the top with all the quotes and stuff on our social media because oh, um, you've got some inspiring stuff in there, which is thanks. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. See you later. Bye. Bye. So that's another complete show. I hope you are finding these discussions as insightful as I am. 
If you are, then please share your excitement and tell your friends and associates to join us for the next one. See you soon.